you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Amen. Tonight I am going to take your attention into a lesson I began two weeks ago. Two weeks ago I began by talking about spiritual gifts and began in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you are not here, perhaps you would like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we will read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11 once again tonight as we move into uh, the lesson, continuing the lesson in spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse number one, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Holy Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit And there is differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And we broke this down last week. We looked at the diversities of gifts, the differences in administrations, and the diversities of operations And then we moved forward into what is following. Verse 8, for to one is given by the spirit of the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues and another interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. And we talked last week, uh, week before last, sorry, in the first lesson, we talked about um, the word of wisdom. We talked about wisdom and how that... um, The gift of wisdom is the first gift. And we talked about the principle of first mention, meaning that it establishes a principle by which all other gifts operate from. And so without wisdom, there would be no other spiritual gift operating. Everything centers in the gift of wisdom, and the spiritual gifts build upon themselves. And so we begin with the gift of wisdom. And tonight we are moving to the second spiritual gift mentioned, and that is the gift of the word of knowledge. And we're going to talk a little bit about the word of knowledge. Now when it comes to spiritual giftings, remember wisdom is the first gift. And Uh, So a word of knowledge will flow out of wisdom. So in all of your getting, the the writer said, in all the things that you get, in all you're getting, get what? Get wisdom, the Bible says. In all of your getting, get wisdom. Uh, Over and again, the Bible 
is directs us to getting wisdom. Uh, the book of Proverbs, of course, is wisdom literature. It begins with and ends with and is full of uh, the idea of wisdom and the need for wisdom. So every spiritual gift will flow out of the gift of wisdom. So remember in our first lesson that wisdom is given by God. James chapter 1 and verse number 5. For if any of you lacked, lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and unbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. So wisdom is not withheld from anyone. I want you to get that. Wisdom is not withheld from anyone. If you ask God for wisdom, wisdom is not connected to education. You can be, you don't have to have a, a high education to have wisdom. Wisdom is the understanding of how to use the education, the knowledge, the life events that you have. All of that flows out of wisdom. Wisdom teaches you good timing, knowing when to talk and when to shut up and listen. Wisdom teaches you, teaches us so much, and so everything flows out of the gift of wisdom. And wisdom is, is a gift given by God. It is available to every man, and wisdom comes through prayer. I want you to get that. Wisdom comes through prayer. If any man lack wisdom, what does he do? James 1 and 5, let him ask of God. How do you ask of God? Through prayer. You make your petitions known. And so therefore, if any man lack wisdom, regardless of your social status, regardless of your educational background, regardless, if you ask God for wisdom and you pray for wisdom, God will give you wisdom because he is the storehouse of wisdom. And so he will give wisdom to you. So where does, where does wisdom come from? Wisdom comes from God. So tonight we move forward in talking about the gift of knowledge. Now, where does knowledge come from? Come from? So it goes without saying that education, training, and life experiences brings about knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding are very closely related. Knowledge comes from education, it comes from life experiences, it comes from, it comes from uh, understanding, the unveiling. Knowledge is, knowledge is understanding. So Wisdom is the understanding of how to use the knowledge that you have. So wisdom and knowledge are married. This is, how, this is the only way you can see it. When you're married, what happened? Scott, when you married Cassie, what happened? You two became one flesh, the Bible says. So love and marriage, they go together like you can't have one without the. So the same is true with knowledge. You can have wisdom, but with wisdom will come knowledge. So the first thing we seek from we seek God for is wisdom. Wisdom will teach us we need to get some knowledge. So you can have wisdom before you have proper knowledge, but you will not have proper knowledge. Without wisdom. You see how they're married to one another? They, they build on one another. So wisdom and knowledge are married and must have one another. Now Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7. If you're staying up with me in Scripture and taking notes, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 7. Let's read that. 
If we can get that on the screen, Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7. Let's read that together out loud if you would. For the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord, that word fear means reverence, a deep, holy respect. The fear of the Lord doesn't mean to tear, it doesn't mean being scared of God, it means the reverence of God. The reverence of God is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and what? I don't need no Bible class. I don't need no Bible study. I don't need no preacher telling me what to do. I don't need no mom and dad teaching me anything. That's foolish. It's foolish. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So knowledge requires instruction. The only way to get knowledge is instruction. We are all going to have to receive instruction. Maybe some of you have gone to great schools, great colleges. Maybe some of you have done great studies. and Maybe some of you have been schooled in the school of hard knocks. But you all received instruction. Instruction can be hard on some of us. I see Sister Amanda here. I don't see Brother Tom. I intended to pick on him, and I was going to ask him if I could do this, but he's not here, so you can all tell him when you see him Sunday that I picked on him on Wednesday night. We like to pick on Tom. Tom's a funny guy. I remember the story that Tom told. I actually had a similar instance. My wife and I, in the first home that we bought, we purchased an old house across the street from the old building on Delphi Avenue, and it was ran down. We purchased it in an estate auction, and it was just any way we could get into a house. We bought the house, are you ready for this, for $13,000, and we had to take out a loan for that. And I worked Saturdays, and all the money that I made in my Saturday work that I would do, and overtime and any extra work that I could pick up, I would use that cash to go to Lowe's or Menards, and I'd buy a few supplies, and I'd put it into that house. And for 16 months, my in-laws put up with my wife and I living in a 9 by 10 bedroom that is now, they turned into a bathroom in their home. We lived in that and for 16 months remodeled. Some of you came and helped me. Some of the men in the church felt sorry for me and came and helped me. And we worked there. When I bought the house, it was literally, it was one of those houses we had to mow the grass to discover what was in the yard. And it was the worst house in the neighborhood, and that's saying a lot. And it literally, there was just not much to work with, and so... Uh, Brother Tom came over uh, when I first bought the house and the, the basement of the, of the house, it was about 16, 18 inches in liquid. I'm going to call it water. Wink, wink. I'm not sure how long the plumbing had been disconnected, if you get my drift. And so Tom came over and here we are in in knee-high boots trying to wade in and get supplies. and we're, we, we, we get a pump hooked up. We're pumping the water out of the basement. And we start moving supplies out. And, of course, you can't help in that kind of environment. But uh, you get pretty dirty and nasty and wet with water. And so Tom's helping me. And he's wet and... There was something in there that needed unplugged, and he grabs a hold of it, and you know what happens. And he jumps back, and he said, man, that thing shocked me. So he reached up and grabbed it again. And it shocked him again, and he reached up, and he grabbed it again. And I'm like, Tom, you're a slow learner. 
Eventually, he got it unplugged. And then I heard other stories that that wasn't the first time that that had happened. Tom somehow, when he has wet feet, likes to deal with electricity. So, so somewhere, eventually, eventually, I'm guessing that Tom learned his lesson. That being wet and dealing with electricity is not a good mix. He had to learn. Now, there could have been another way of learning. And the learning could have been through education. Maybe he could have sat down and read a book about water and electricity. Maybe he could have taken a class. Maybe he could have sat down with one of our electricians that could have explained to him what was going to happen. But one way or another, you're going to learn. So the gift of knowledge will only come through instruction. So you have to discipline yourself to instruction in order to gain the gift of knowledge. Now the Bible speaks more than just knowledge, but it speaks of the word of knowledge. I want you to say that with me, the word of knowledge. So the word of knowledge is is obviously connected to knowledge, but it is more than just knowledge. It is the word of knowledge. It is the speaking of knowledge to another person. So that can be done through teaching. Or it may be through divine inspiration of the Holy Ghost. When one feels divinely inspired of the Holy Ghost to speak a word of instruction or teaching to someone that needs it at that moment in their life. The Bible says for the elder ladies, this is how the Bible says it, it leaves the men out, but I know that it it is not uh, intending to leave men out of this, but it specifically says that the elder ladies are to teach the younger women. That's what the Bible says. Why would would it not be that the younger is teaching the older? You all understand that. It is the the knowledge that they have gained by experience, the wisdom of life experiences. And so the same is true when a new babe in Christ comes into the kingdom of God, comes into the church. Those who have been serving God a long time can't just be grumpy and fold your arms and walk out. We should be encouraging them and lifting them up and speaking a word of knowledge to them at key moments in their walk with God. Specifically, when they are discouraged. Specifically, when they lose their way. Specifically, when when they are struggling with something that they just can't get past. Let one who has been down the road and has experienced it be able to speak a word of knowledge to that new saint of God. But understand that this is a gift that comes from the Lord. Remember, it is married to wisdom. So that doesn't give us the right to go and just say, hey, you, come here and sit down and listen to me. It doesn't work like that. With wisdom, you will understand the moments and the timing of what somebody may be facing, dealing with, struggling with. You may see it on their countenance. You may see it in their demeanor. You may see a shift in them and understand. I think they're going through something. And the word of knowledge is, I need to speak a word of encouragement. So, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, how do I gain this? Now, it comes through instruction. And that instruction must be in alignment with your relationship with God. The fear of the Lord or the respect or reverence of God. So the respect or reverence of God, deep respect and reverence of God, the fear of the Lord 
is the foundation. So everything that comes through the word of knowledge must be connected to the deep reverence of God. That includes his word. So there will be an alignment. Now the Bible says that the foolish despise the fear of God. Or the fool despises the fear of God. In other words, they overlook the reverence of God. Now this is going to be interesting. They search, the fool overlooks the foundation of where knowledge comes from. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so a fool will overlook the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God. And they search for knowledge in others from other sources. Are you with me? So they begin to search for knowledge and understanding, but they search for it from other, from other areas. So this is where we must be careful when we try to self-diagnose or we try to uh, spend too much time with psychology and, uh, or, or uh, we, we start trying to psychoanalyze or we move into the arena of manipulation. None of these things are of God. So the beginning of knowledge is the fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. A fool over, overlooks that. And they begin searching for knowledge through other sources. Now, at the foundation, at the core, this doesn't mean that you can't go to a, a school and get a good education, that that would be unbiblical. Not at all. The beginning of knowledge, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is why it is important. The work that goes on in this church, in those Sunday school rooms, in this classrooms, even tonight, the work that is going on with our children is starting them at a very young age to fear the Lord. Reverence and respect of God because that's the beginning. We're not trying to teach them. We may call it Sunday school, but we're not trying to teach them what the school and the educational system teaches them. We're trying to build the foundation by which everything else is built. Those without the fear of the Lord get caught up in science and don't have a base to go back to and say, but I'm grounded in the truth of God's Word and the reverence of the Lord. So they get caught up with everything else and become everything but a respect for God. As a matter of fact, many that are become highly educated lose their belief in God altogether. They become atheistic or agnostic and they, they're not sure how they feel about God. So the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And so we that's why we must instill the fear of the Lord in our children. With those who come into the, the church, with those we must make sure that they get grounded in the Word of God. That is our, our number one job before we start helping them learn skills, helping them grow into anything else that they may grow into, we must establish a reverence for God. So those who, those who overlook the reverence for God, biblical reverence for God, these people who are, are those who attempt to operate in spiritual giftings without God and they end up in shipwreck. They end up operating in the human realm, so they start looking for other mediums. This is where much witchcraft comes from. Understand, people say, wow, isn't the gifts of the Spirit and witchcraft, are they closely related? The difference is, is where they are drawing their source from. Are you okay? It's where their source comes from. It's either coming from an evil, secular, humanistic, evil, satanic 
power or it's coming from the living Word of God. Everything is supported in the Word of God, in the fear of the Lord. It is the foundation of every spiritual gift. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So not everyone is willing to start with the fear of God in their pursuit of spiritual giftings. Some people just want to move into spiritual giftings. And so therefore they've got God talking to them. They've got God giving them direction that trumps anything that a pastor, that a spiritual authority, that the Word of God can speak because everything's being downloaded directly from God without any boundary that is based in this book. This is the foundation. Do we agree on that? This is the foundation. Without anything that trumps this book is not of God. Anything. So there are some who go elsewhere to learn to use their spiritual giftings, and these people often struggle with authority. They refuse correction. Many of these people have skewed perceptions of reality. They lack discretion to recognize what is out of order from what is evil. Because there's a difference. I've had people say, well, the old devil's on me again. He's just fighting me all the time. No, that's your will. It may not be the devil fighting you. He may be attaching himself to it. Somebody said, well, did you, did you see what happened? Yeah, I had, a, I had a car wreck. devil made me do it. No poor driving may have made you do it. Put down your cell phone. It just happens. Everything that happens is not because there's a devil under every rock. Many of these people have skewed perceptions of reality. And they lack the, the discretion that comes through wisdom to recognize what God is doing from what God is not doing. What is humanistic and built out of the flesh, and what is of God and based in His Word. Proverbs and God Himself calls these people foolish. This is where we must be careful to not become foolish in our actions. A term that, that term, now understand this, that term foolish does not mean ignorant. Let me establish this. I'm going to just use myself for an example because I could use Brother Danny. He's on the front row, but I won't do that tonight in this, in this topic. I don't consider myself ignorant, but I've done some foolish things. Anybody with me tonight? Anybody in here that says, I, I'm not ignorant, but I've, I've, I've acted like a fool a time or two. I've, I've made some foolish decisions. I've, I've, so, so the term does not mean that one is ignorant, but one who refuses to pay the price of wisdom. So whether it's going to the warehouses of science or false religions or personal reasoning, our human philosophy, anybody see the connections here? The fool has chosen to forsake the fear of the Lord for something that is more attractive to the flesh. At the core. I, I, our, our youth are out tonight. If they were here, I, I would promote it. I'll promote it to the parents and grandparents that may be in this room tonight. I believe that every one of us ought to do our best. We ought, we, ought to try to, we ought to push our kids to get the best education possible. Education is good. We ought to push them to get the best education possible. But before we push them to get the best education, we need to do our very best to ground them 
in the wisdom of God. So my preaching and teaching is not anti-education. It is God before education. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Nothing wrong with everything else. It is that the foundation must be built upon God. So the fear of the Lord keeps us consistently depending on God. I was in St. Vincent Hospital, I don't know, maybe three years ago. And a doctor came in to talk. And when the doctor came in to talk, my brother was in the hospital. And when the doctor came in to talk, he said, all right, this is what we see. He showed us imaging. And he said, this is what we see this is what we're dealing with according to imaging. And, and these are the procedures. These are the options. We feel this is the best option to go with. And then he finished everything he said. He said, we're going to do all of this. And he said, we don't know if this is going to work or not. But this is the best thing we can do. And then he said, he looks over at me and he said, but the thing of it is, is you know you're a man of faith. That's what he said to me. He said, you're a man of faith. And he said, we know that if any of this is going to work, it's going to be because of him. And the moment that this very educated, one of the top doctors at St. Vincent Hospital looked and he said, we're going to do all of this stuff, but when it really comes down to it, there's a source. And he, then he said, I, I'm a man of faith myself. There was a certain comfort in knowing that he didn't just go to a great college and get a good education, but he understood that before he ever could do one procedure that he needed the greatest source of all, that God is the source. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. So what does that do? No matter how lofty and how great of an education and how many letters and numbers we get behind our name, we are dependent on God. We are all powerless without God. And we are keenly in tune to knowing and understanding His thoughts. That's what wisdom and knowledge does. We understand and know His thoughts his desires, and his purpose. The reverence of God, the fear of the Lord, teaches us to strive to please him first. So when your life is built on that foundation, that groundwork, then, then and only then, are we able to operate in the realm of spiritual gifts Productively. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, paraphrased. Son, hear instruction and get wisdom. It will be, it will decorate your life with ornaments of grace. Instruction and wisdom will decorate your life with ornaments of grace. So every spiritual gift should flow out of the element of grace. Every spiritual gift must operate out of grace in accordance with the Word of God, which is apostolic authority and order. So if someone has a word of knowledge, it will be presented to a person, not in a hateful, harmful, critical manner, but it, will be, it would be offered and given to somebody in, in wisdom and with grace. And it will also be in complete alignment with the Word of God and under His divine authority, and order. Proverbs 1 and 22 
says, how long will ye love simplicity? How long will you love simplicity? I don't know. I kind of like simple things. How long will you love simplicity? This is not speaking about the simple things of life. There may be a lot of wisdom in the simple things of life. But this is speaking, when it's talking about simplicity here, it's talking about the lack of understanding and knowledge. How long are you going, when God's trying to teach you things, you go through, you go through some things God's trying to teach you in every, in every valley you go through. My wife said it right when she received the diagnosis a couple of years ago. She said, I'm not asking God why, I'm asking him what. What can I learn? Who? Who will I be able to affect? Because I understand that asking God why is missing the whole point. In everything you go through, God is teaching us something. There's something to learn. There is a process of growth that is happening in us. And so the writer is saying, how long will you love simplicity? How long will you go through things ignorantly saying, well, I don't know why I'm going through this. God is trying to teach us. That's why we're going through it. If somebody's going through a really difficult place and I hear them saying, I don't know why I'm going through this. Let me give you a word of knowledge. You're going through it. A word of knowledge is this. You're going through it because God is teaching you something. You want another word of knowledge about what you're going through? You're going to come out the other side better. This doesn't have to be spooky, thus saith the Lord. It can be very simple, built in wisdom. There is no room in the operation of gifts for humanity, the human spirit. In the operation of gifts, humanity is the biggest obstacle. How many of you are flesh? Eight of you are flesh, good. The rest of you must be angelic. We're all flesh, and so we all battle with humanity. We all battle with emotions, some more than others. We all battle with struggles in the flesh because we're human. In the, in the operation of gifts, there is no room for humanity. That's why in the operation of gifts, we must be prayed up and have our flesh in submission so that we're not speaking out of the flesh. We're not speaking things that's going to draw attention to us. We're not speaking things that's going to lift us up and make us look like we are God or that we are, look how wise and smart they are because, no, it, everything is reflecting. We become a mirror reflecting the image of God. So there's no room in the operation of gifts for humanity and there's certainly no room for pride. All spiritual giftings must operate with complete trust in the Lord, honor and respect to God. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. So trusting God is better than trusting your own understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Is this, is this making sense now? In order to function in the realm of the Spirit, it is important that we strengthen our relationship with God and our trust in God to the point to where we are walking in total confidence in God. If we are truly in the Spirit, we're talking about the operation of gifts. If we are truly in the Spirit, it is His reputation, not ours. If we are operating in the realm of flesh, we will be overly concerned about our reputation because that's connected to the flesh, our image. So a word of knowledge will be presented with grace. It will flow out of wisdom. It will be in complete alignment with the Word of God. It will be absent of pride and self-aggrandizement. Proverbs 16, 18, pride 
Why, why is pride bad? Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So self-reliance, self-reliance is the enemy of trusting God. Now when it comes to spiritual gifts, there are many spiritual gifts, different diversities. There's a diversity of operations and all the difference in the gifts. We covered that a little bit last week. In, in everything that we do, the worst thing that can happen is for us to become performance-based. Because God gave me and used me in a spiritual gift last week does not mean that God is going to use me in that spiritual gift now on demand. I can't turn it on and turn it off. When God knows that that spiritual gift needs to be used, He will grant me that spiritual gift. I remember, I remember my wife and I were evangelizing. We had been married about two or three years. We were preaching a revival in Texas, East Texas, as a matter of fact, I could go to the little church where we were at in Deadwood, Texas. It was the first time God ever used me in, in any spiritual gift that I was aware of whatsoever. And I won't go into detail, but I was in the office and God showed me it was I, Now, I had never preached in this church. I was in the pastor's office. I knew nobody in this church other than the pastor and his wife. And I was in the pastor's office before service. The pastor's office was right behind the platform. So you literally walked out of the, out of the pastor's office onto the platform. So I had come in a side door into the pastor's office, had not spoken to anybody, didn't know anybody in the place. I was in there. I had studied, and I was struggling with the message that I was going to preach. It, I was trying to bring understand why in the world am I feeling this so strongly and so powerfully, but... I don't understand the application because I, I, need, I need more understanding in order to be able to preach uh, this message fully. And I was praying and I was in the office and I'm like, God, I need you. I need you to, to open my mind to full understanding. And with that, God showed me the face of a man, a woman, and kids that were sitting next to them and showed me them sitting uh, on the third row right in the center of the congregation. They were on the third or fourth row, I can't recall, um, back. It has been a minute since we had only been married three years. And um, so they were on the third or fourth row. I remember their faces. I remember seeing them sitting there. I did not understand that fully, but God showed it to me and he gave me one word. And the moment that he did, I had no idea what the faces were, were all about, but he gave me one word. And when he did, it literally gave clarity to the entire message that he had given me in study. I'm moments before walking out, I just write that word down. And so then the whole message just blew in my mind, just blew up. And so I, I, we went in, we had church, we was worshiping, going on. And when I walked out on the platform after worship service had been going a few minutes, I walked in late. And uh, I, when I walked out onto the platform, I looked up and on the third or fourth row set the faces. And I had never experienced that before in my lifetime. There were the people that God showed me. Never in that service did I ever call that, those people out, did I ever speak to them, did I ever go to them. But I walked to that pulpit that night and I opened my Bible and when I began to preach, it was flowing out of me. I don't know if anybody else was in the room, but I knew they were in the room and I knew the message that I was preaching was specifically to some people that God had shown me. The pastor didn't say anything. I didn't know anything, but I knew divinely from God who I was preaching to. They were responding to the preaching. I did not understand everything, but when I closed the message, that family came to the altar that night and they prayed and prayed and prayed. At the end of service, after service was over, the, the man and woman came to me and with the pastor and they looked at me and spoke some things to me and they're like, we're blown away. We came tonight with a specific goal in mind and when we got here, you got up and the things you were preaching were the things that God had been speaking directly to us about and the things that we had been talking about in our home and the things that we had been going through and I'm just standing there and I'm like, I know. Not haughty. 
but I knew where that gifting came from. I came back and preached the next night. That didn't happen. We have to be careful just because God used us. It was for the salvation of that family, by the way. Complete salvation of that family. So sometimes when the preach word goes forth, there are moments that I'm preaching things I don't know. Nobody's told me. But when I'm preaching, the Lord will unveil some things and I could walk back and tap people on their arms and say, God's speaking to you with the word that I'm speaking because I sense it in the Holy Ghost. And I know exactly, but not always. Not always. Now, sometimes an evangelist or a prophet of the Lord may come through and may preach and may speak some things. It may be general. It may be direct to somebody. And it may be just as much as just as much as much what I know that first time. That hasn't been the last time that I've been used in that manner. But I knew that moment. I knew it was the first time I'd ever been used uh, in, in, in those spiritual giftings. But I learned at that moment that I can't just turn that on and turn that off. God knew there was a family there and that I was going to be the voice that night. Their pastor could not preach what I preached. Because if the pastor would have preached it, the pastor already knew. I found out later. The pastor already knew about all the things and they would have thought that the pastor was just meddling. And so God sent a young evangelist that was just wet behind the ears trying to get started preaching. And the Lord used a young evangelist that they knew had no history with that church that walked in to minister to them to speak what he wanted to speak. Doesn't make me big. God can also write words on the wall or he can also use a donkey if he doesn't have a man. So that's the kind of company I was in. Me or the donkey. God chose to use me. Didn't make me better. It made it the only thing it, it told me was your prayer, your fasting, your dedication to God has put you in a realm, in a place where God is able to use you. That sensitivity. So to be used in the gift of knowledge, you must have that sensitivity that comes through prayer, through dedication, through faithfulness, and God positions you at a moment when you sense there is a brother or sister in need and God will use you in that spiritual gift to minister to them. You cannot force it, turn it on, and turn it off. You must make sure that it is divinely orchestrated of the Lord and God is in it and there is no flesh involved, but I am operating out of the unction of the Holy Ghost. So the Bible puts no wall of separation between intellect and faith. In fact, the book of Proverbs speaks very highly of understanding. Incline your heart to understanding. Raise your voice for understanding. Understanding will guard you. Blessed is one who gets understanding. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge. And we could go on and on. Buy wisdom and instruction and get understanding. So we're all supposed to be seeking those things. But keeping everything in balance. Remember before we should seek the, the gifts of the Spirit, we should first seek the fruit of the Spirit. Because all gifts of the Spirit will flow out of the fruit of the Spirit. So what we're told not to lean on in Scripture is not to lean on our own understanding. So the idea is not to corrupt the things that God's doing. I, I've, been, I've, I've, I've been around a long time. I've been around the church a long time. I've seen ministries fall because they, they may have started out gifted of the Lord, just like the experience that I told you about 30 years ago when God first used me in a gift. I understand it. I've gone spaces of time. I shared with somebody. I went through a space of time that I didn't feel the presence of God. God didn't speak to me. It wasn't because anything was wrong in my life. I just went through a season. Anybody know that had that kind of season? God's not talking to me. I'm not feeling anything. I'm not hearing anything. And at that moment, I'm walking by faith. Not by sight. Not by feeling. 
So I'm just doing what I know to do. I'm just serving God and being faithful to God. I'm, I'm, I'm still preaching. I didn't quit preaching because God's not. I just kept preaching out of the understanding that I have in Scripture. I just kept doing what I do until one day God decides, boom, there it is again. And he begins speaking again, begins talking again. And through that, I learned some things that when somebody comes to me and says, man, Pastor, I, I, you know, I'm not feeling anything. I haven't spoken in tongues in a while. I'm not... I'm just, I just feel like I'm going through the motions. I can tell them out of knowledge because of something that I've experienced. We all go through that. So we can't depend on our own ability. Just because we're gifted with a spiritual gift does not mean we can turn the spiritual gift on and turn it off. So there may be, a, 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 somebody may come and be used in the gifts mightily and they may come and operate and they may give prophecy and they may speak words to the church and when they come again, listen, not one preacher that has ever walked to this pulpit as an evangelist, as a special guest that has come and operated in the gifts of the Spirit, when they return, I do not put pressure on them or anticipate that they are going to come and turn that gift on because it is directed of God. And so I could go further into that because the church also has to be open to receive it. That's where wisdom comes. So just because you see something in somebody's life that you have the wisdom and God says, well, they really need, to, they, they really need the gift of knowledge that you have, they may not be open to receive it. And that's why it must be delivered under the unction of the Holy Ghost when you know the moment is right. A few weeks ago, I stepped up and spoke a word to somebody and I've shared this with others. I spoke a word during the awakening. I spoke the word uh, to somebody that I had thought about several times, but I did not speak it to them. Sometimes our youth, I may see things in their life, and I know I need to say something to them because I see something. I need to warn them about something. But I sense a brick wall. I sense they're not going to receive it. And so, therefore, I just preach and love them and preach and love them. But I caught that moment here in the altar when God was moving, and the Lord said, now's the time. I spoke over. I stepped over. I spoke spoke the word to them at that moment and when I did they broke they prayed through over it God got a hold of them they came back later and said pastor thank you for what you spoke to me I needed that and they received it therein is the gift of wisdom operating because had I have said I need to talk to you in my office they would have never received what they received at the moment when God said now's the time and they received it. So we must be careful to not operate in human realm of saying, well, I have this and they need it, so bless God, I'm going to say it. I learned a long time ago, somebody said this to me, one of my boys, God had shown one of my boys, Dylan, as a matter of fact, God showed Dylan something, and he came to me and he said, God showed me this, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with it. And I said, don't do anything with it. And he said, but Dad, I, God showed this to me. I said, don't do anything with it. I wasn't even sure. Some people that are much more in tune and understand the operation of gifts more than me that I trust later said, you did exactly the right thing. Because just because God tells you something doesn't mean that the timing is right for you to speak what God's shown you. So you wait. So you wait until God says, now is the time. And it's the unction of the Spirit. I'm almost done. So we're told not to lean on our own understanding, meaning conclusions based primarily on our own perceptions because our own understanding simply can't handle the responsibilities of the things of the Spirit. If we rely on our own understanding, we will end up getting in the flesh. Instead of operating under the unction of the Holy Ghost, we operate under the unction of the flesh. We, you and I, there will never be a day that we see as God sees. There will never be a day that God, that God speaks something to you that is not in alignment with His Word. He will never, ever, ever go against His Word. 
So if I can support it in this work, you know, you know why that I know I don't have to have God come to me and tell me how he feels about, about sin. He's already told me how he feels about sin right here. There, there's so much right here in this word that God has already told us. And if he comes out, out of alignment, I've shared this with you before and I'll share it again. Somebody came to me one time and said, Pastor, I'm going through a real difficulty right now. And um, uh, this was a person in leadership and they don't attend this church any longer. But they came to me and said, Pastor, I, I, you know, we're going through a little tough time right now and, and uh, I can't, I can't. Uh, return my tithing to the Lord, and I know you teach on tithing, and so I'm asking you, if you would, to please excuse me from tithing. I said, I'm not God. And they're like, well, what do you mean? You're the pastor. I said, I, I didn't write that in the Word. I'm not God. you got to trust God. Now, wisdom helped me understand some things and ways that I could help them. But they had to trust God because I can't violate the Word of God. Somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, I know what the Bible says about this, but you know I feel like this is really what I need to do. Not if it's contrary to the Word of God. Ever, ever, ever. I can't, I, I may be your pastor, I may be the spiritual authority in this church, but this word is higher than me. This word is over me. I can't violate this word because it's what somebody wants to hear. So God's never going to violate his word. We don't see as God sees. He's omniscient. He sees everything. He has complete and unlimited knowledge, awareness, understanding to perceive all things, the past, the present, and the future. So when a word of knowledge comes forth, when somebody speaks a word of knowledge, it's not just what you're going through right now and not just what is coming in the future, but God is looking at the past, the present, and the future. And with God... The time doesn't even matter with him. And so he blends it all together. And the word that he gives at that moment may not make complete sense with me, but God saw the end from the beginning. So he already looked forward before he ever looked back. So God has complete understanding. So we now, we see through a glass darkly. We don't see clearly. God sees clearly. We see part of the picture that God is painting. And if we trust Him and let go of our pride and our limited understanding, and we don't, if we go seeking God for gifts, the gift of wisdom is the only gift that God tells us to seek. Then He says, then He just says to seek, He says to seek for that important gift. To us, which what is that important gift? People say, I've heard people use it all sorts of different ways, but ultimately it is back to one thing seek God for wisdom first and let all the other things be added. So even the best laid human plans cannot begin to approach the magnificent plan that God has for his people. So when a word of knowledge comes forth, when God speaks to his people, it is not based on human wisdom. Somebody says, well, I'm going to feel foolish if I allow the gifts, if I'm used in the gifts of tongues or if I'm used in the gifts of prophecy. I may, I may, I may feel, feel foolish in this, but if it is truly orchestrated and divined of God, not out of pride, not in the human realm, but truly of the Lord, according to 1 Corinthians 1 and 25, the foolishness of God is wiser than human, than human wisdom. The foolishness of God, and there's nothing foolish in God, but the, at, the, at the moment that we would think that seems like the most foolish thing in the world, the foolishness of God is wiser than the greatest wisdom of man. So we must look to him, lean not to our own understanding and seek him and seek his counsel and his guidance. So seek him first for the gifts, the fruits, 
ask him first for the fruit. God, let all the fruit of the Spirit be birthed in me. Then let the gift of wisdom, and then out of that gift will flow all of the other spiritual gifts. How many of you really want to be used of God? I hope I've given you a divinely ordered pattern tonight of how to be used of the Lord. Let's stand together and we're going to pray. And we're, let's, in our prayer of closing tonight, I want you to join with me in prayer. And I want you to open your mouth and pray. And I want you to ask the Lord, God, teach me your way. Show me your will. Let wisdom overcome me. Let knowledge come to me through wisdom, God. Let me never operate, Lord, under the, the, helm, the, the, the realm of human wisdom, oh God. But let your spirit divinely be orchestrated into my life. Lord, straight from heaven to us. Lord, speak into our lives. Speak into our hearts. Let your word come alive in us, O oh God. Let us walk, Lord, in your statues and in your ways and in your will, O oh God. Lord, let us be open to the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Let us walk in those. Let us function in those. But first of all, let us walk in the will of God. Let us walk in the way of God. Let us walk in humility and not pride. Not arrogance, Lord, but walk humbly in your will. Let prayer, O oh Lord, be the focus of our life. Let submission to you, God, be the focus of our lives. Lord, that we may be prepared at the moment that you want to use us. God, I want to be a willing vessel. Come on, do you want to be a willing vessel tonight? Lift your hands all over the room and just ask him, God, I'm a willing vessel. If you can use me, Lord, if you can use anybody in this room, Lord, let me be the one that you can use. God, use us for your glory. Let me be able to speak that word to somebody that encourages them and strengthens them and helps them along the way. We honor you, O oh God. We honor you, God. We honor you.